0: real homie.
1: to another episode of jackman radio i am your host michael jackman eric jackman coming at you with some of the bush love that song man that's off of 16 stone right right aaron wasn't that their first album or their their their, uh, breakthrough album there yes 16 stone that was a great album that had like glycerine on it and uh yeah
2: come down and i think that hits on every every album they had a hit
1: yeah, You still hear that song a lot, but I think it still holds up. I mean, my band Northern Stone covers it, and seven years on, we all still love playing it. Gavin so. Rosdale from Bush was into boys before he was with Gwen Stefani. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he got, had a relationship with uh, Mar- Marilyn, right? The androgynous uh, boy from Britain. <laughs> was, just, it, he's just known as Marilyn? Yeah, right? Isn't it Marilyn? I don't know his stage I don't, name. I do know the name. But really, de- I Google imaged him. Really pretty. Hmm. It's definitely true. Really pretty. Oh, man. And always running point with us. Of course, the man himself, La Harvest Yeah, Oswald, aka Lee Harvey, aka Aaron. Did you guys hear about this uh, shit in Iran? There was a there was like a, a faux KFC or a KFC in Iran, and it got sh- squashed and shut down within like a day. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Like it had a, it had the logo with the colonel and all that shit. Uh, that's kind did of did it, it have a fucking did it have did it, it have a Norm uh, McDonald's face on the side of the building? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Like weird weird Western celebrity endorsements. They always endorse <laughs> weird like, shit. Yeah, they have like a tax code endorsed by Wesley Snipes. Yeah. <laughs> like how to like not cheat your taxes, but how to get relief. It's like yeah, okay, oh, God. But no, apparently it was uh it was something that resembled a, a uh, Americanized uh, chicken house. And I don't think, of, I don't think officially it was a KFC. I no, mean, probably I, not, but, but they shut it down because it was, uh, they shut it down for being too American. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. And I, I just wanted to lead off with that, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy, but, uh, yeah, it's chicken, just, American chicken. Yeah. American chicken, chicken Jihad, you know, Yeah, chicken, you know, speaking of food, I was looking at an article today about the most addicting foods. And uh, I don't think it could be any surprise. Uh, I have a list of thirty-five.
2: I'm going to read the top ten. Oh, can I? I want to. When, when we get to like five, when we get to like five, we should start guess. We should guess. What, what Make else? Make a is game on it? of it, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think I know what's like. Yeah, well,
1: why don't you guys guess what the what the top? Right. Or should I should I start? Well, on yeah. 10? How many? Us yes. Like,
2: go to the first like five. five. Yeah, five. Give us so the st- first five.
1: Start on five. Yeah. Start no. One start. At, through
2: five. Go. Go. Start at the bottom with ten. Work okay. your way up to one, but stop at five. Have
1: right. five. Okay, so number ten. What do you guys think number ten Number is? ten. Number ten <laughs> most addicting food in the world.
2: Uh, Grilled
1: cheese. Bingo, cheese. Oh, cheese, oh, cheese is number ten, great. man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's uh, you know. Oh, I geez. mean, yeah, cheese. They did studies. That it has the same properties of crack. Basically, what it does with your brain, cheese does. Seriously, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want. They mentioned that too in this article. I'll get to that too about this. Um, this was actually a Yale food addiction scale, wow. and they did this. It's Yale. They did this research, so we'll talk about that after. Okay, so number ten is cheese. Number nine. And this is something that all over the world people have every day because someone has one of these every day. Oh, it's coffee.
2: No. Uh, Lima beans.
1: Wait. <laughs> <laughs> have it every day. Everyone has a birthday, right? Oh, cake. Yeah, cake. Oh, cake. So yeah. cake is number nine. How I mean, good is if you step into a big old gig? Oh, you, you got all the
2: rosing on all the garbs, you go all right, the
1: gig. Right into that diabetic coma and you're like Oh, we need we need we need too much frosting to harvest. How gross do you feel? Yeah, see, this is
2: kind of more like I was I would say just like sugar is like well, yeah. probably. Well, got, got I'm to sure like, sugar is found in redicting. all of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: we're already on with cheese and with cake. Yeah. So, so number <laughs> number eight, number eight. Soda. Yep. Mm-hmm. Non-diet mm-hmm. soda. And uh, I'll tell you guys High right now, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on it, man. I've been trying to kick my Coke habit for, uh, yeah. you know, many years. Uh, Coke, not Pepsi, aka Coke, not the other Coke. We'll
2: talk about that later too. Yeah. Once you get off of soda, though, and you go back, like I, can I you have one? Cannot finish. Like I will have soda every once in a while, but I never finish. Does it, it give you a headache? Um, it doesn't really give me a headache. It like makes my mouth like water. Like makes insane- you thirsty. Yeah. insanely. Like my mouth I just met starts watering.
1: I people got off it and then had one and I get a nasty headache. Yeah, big caffeine. But it's so, so
2: fucking sweet. Like think
1: about the sugar. About seventy. Drinking. A Pepsi's like seventy teaspoons of sugar. It's that many. I'm pretty sure it's seventy. 20 I mean, ounce. if I'm gonna have a soda, I'm gonna have an ice cold Coke. Big old Coke. Okay, okay right that's right what I'm the gonna fridge. do. Or Dr Pepper if I'm oh, feeling a little, little dog, spirited, you know. Dog baby. Uh, so, Dr. Pepper. Yeah. how about number seven? Here's another personal favorite of mine. Like just the whole package. It's, this is something. You oh, googies. Nope, that, that's on there. But chips. Nope, that's, that's on there too. French
2: fries. Yeah. Oh,
1: oh, you're close. Well, what do you usually have with your French fries? Oh, well, ke- ketchup. Cum? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's in France. <laughs> oh, right, right. No, you order this, and then you have a side of French fries. Oh, burger, cheeseburger, ah. cheeseburger, more cheese with the bun, the cheese. More cheese. It's <laughs> yeah. only a
2: cheeseburger. Yeah.
1: I mean, God, how good when you step into a, like a, a just a perfectly. You know, minted cheeseburger with all the condiments. The bread is a little warm and, and maybe a little buttery. Oh, God. It's got bako on it. It's oh, got God. like, you know, 10 million carbs. It's got cacciatore. You are just feeling so good. The bun is perfect. Yeah. It's not like oh, yeah. soggy. It's or... a ni- No. It's a nice It was it's just funny. baked that morning by some guy who hates himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so cheeseburger number Sugar. six. You guys already uh, said this one.
2: Uh... Lima beans? Yeah. No. Sugar. No, no. no. Oh, it's a food.
1: Yeah, it was, it's something you can't eat when you're on the paleo. Uh, pasta. People, every, people every in drink. Ireland. People in Ireland like oh, these. Oh, potatoes. Yeah, potatoes. Ah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes are addictive. Well, French fries. Well, the, what yeah, you can do with yeah. them. Yeah, French yeah. fries is number number six. Potatoes okay. in some form. Number yeah. number five. What do you guys think? Number five. This is something. All right.
2: That, so halfway. Yeah. So it's. it's
1: show to go? What was the first one? Uh, Cheese. Cheese, Cheese, cake, non-diet soda, cheeseburger, french fries. Oh, this has got to be pizza. Nope. Nope. It's cold. Bologna? Nope. It's in the frozen (laughs) section ice uh, cream ice cream ice cream oh, uh, ice cream. oh fuck yeah dude. again sugar yeah. Just like big all old, just big old bucket. basically of, sugar basically when i see ice cream i just see buckets of diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's it dude <laughs> diarrhea flavor like it's all <laughs> chocolate ice cream yeah, to well, me when i go to Kimball's and get that black raspberry with jimmy's i just make sure i'm, I'm near a toilet oh. you know, pretty soon thereafter and you suffer once or twice a year to have it because it's just so good wow. and number four you guys said this one already too Good. It's a snack. It's uh, chips. Chips. No, not chips. Cookies. Uh, cookies. Yep. Big <laughs> old, cookies. Big old pile of El Fudge. Oh man. How I about mean, when you step into a pack of El? Just fudge. like a big sleeve, uh, a comfort yeah. sleeve of <laughs> El Fudge. It's not fair. It's not Aaron, fair. Aaron, a comfort sleeve for Christ's sake. Okay. okay, so chips and uh, right. Oh, yeah, you guys said chips. Said Number chips. two overall most addicting food. They have a holiday. Two holidays built around this. This food. Uh, chocolate. 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 Boom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bazinga Brilliant. Bazinga yeah, chocolate. Choco, I mean, choco. When you when you step into some choco, and uh, it's just you know you know you get you you're on the first bar, you know you got another one coming. And you also got a tw- uh, a two liter of coey You got a two liter cold coey and you got a pizza coming. Pizza coming and the <laughs> and season three of the wire.
2: Now, do you go? Do you go dark chocolate? Uh, yeah, he's a
1: kardashian he like, likes his dark chocolate sometimes <laughs> i love the milk choco i love white choco too i mean yeah, i love it all
2: yeah white
1: choco and dark choco lives matter Coke. they both did. Right. have you ever had them at the same time oh no that's an experiment wow okay so you this is the number one the number one most addicting pizza it's just you have if you're not careful ah, you just it's did a freudian slip okay Pizza. Oh, did I say that? (laughs) The most addicting pizza. Did I say that? Yeah, of course it's pizza. I was going to guess lima
2: beans. Hot dough and cheese, pepperoni.
1: you step into that soggle, that sausage pizza? Oh, baby. It's beyond. Um, So, yeah, you know, this is a... Yeah, but they
2: don't... Is pizza... Like, I know in Italy and Europe they have pizza, but is... Oh, I mean, I guess... It's different than how they have it here, I think.
1: Yeah. So, basically, these contain... You know, added fats and sugars. These are processed foods. Mm. Um, they dominated this, this top 10 list. Uh, in this case, pizza, which was number one, um, as well as the next five items on the list, uh, chocolate, chips, cookies, ice cream, and french fries all earned the process tag in the study. Mm. Um, and cheese, which came in at number 10, is the first food considered unprocessed. American cheese, notwithstanding. And as Eric was saying earlier, it's actually the processing that seems to be the um, you know, uh, uh, key to the addiction, according to this, uh, the this Yale Food it? Addiction Scale. Uh, the researchers said in a similar manner that drugs are processed to increase their addictive potential, mm. this study provides insights that highly processed foods may be intentionally manufactured to be particularly rewarding through the addition of fat and refined carbohydrates yeah. like white flour and sugar. Exactly. Mm. So In there you go. All the things, Aaron, that Mike and I are no longer eating. Right. Because, what is that?
2: Because you're on the uh, Paleo diet. Paleo diet.
1: And I'm happy yeah. to announce uh, since October 13th, I've been eating Paleo and I have lost 17 pounds
2: god damn that's good yeah, stuff man. i feel really good
1: I, i'm on day three officially i'm on the bandwagon now I, you know i had to drink another 40 beers and think about it but <laughs> even the two pizzas you know it's going to be yeah. tough to we have a family member who's been doing it for uh you yeah, know our, five our months uncle's been on it for like four oh, yeah. or five months he looks amazing he, looks incredible. he wasn't like big and fat to begin with he had no. a little bit of a paunch. yeah and then our buddy our buddy uh, down in connecticut's been doing it since may and he's lost like 70 pounds and he looks incredible so those are good inspirations. And we just want to get in better shape and eat healthier. So we we had a couple of food topics tonight. And we'll yeah. continue to keep you guys abreast on that. But any I of think, you
2: who know us know that. Uh... You know what you should do is you should just watch all those like horror documentaries about. Uh, like the food industry uh-huh. and shit like that. And uh, that, will, that'll keep you right on track. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fat, just just have dead. them on a loop every yeah. day. Yeah. Fast food nation. Yeah. yeah.
1: Fork over knives. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah fork over knives. Fork knife. over knives. But yeah. Yeah. Basically, if you announce it publicly, there's a, there's more incentive to do well because you do have eyes on you and people know about it. People That's at, true. That's people true. People at work know about it. Family yeah. members know we're doing oh, yeah. it. And coworkers so. will keep you honest. Hey, I thought you were doing that paleo thing. I'm eating a big old pizza with a cake on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're eating a cake pizza. And, you know, it's <laughs> obviously diet is something we, not to to get too personal but we've been struggling with our weight most of our lives and oh, big boys and, and uh six years ago boys. i i weighed probably 90 pounds less than i weigh now so i'm looking to get back there and then so yeah. so it's not going to be an easy road and uh i do have to give a give a quick shout out to cosmos via john gold um uh, this is donald trump your old friend thank you for starting the 11th of every month until the truth and justice action trump 2016 it's huge so anyways yeah um yeah so uh i you're doing very well eric i feel like i mean i was up at 5am baking chicken in the oven this morning yeah, so Mike, i mean that's like show leadership and commitment today he I mean, got I had sunshine coming out of my ass and All uh, right. Right. I was up making chicken and we had it with a bag of broccoli really nice paleo meal with mm. uh seltzer it's classic it's and we classic. You know we were yeah, saying we is. love soda chicken and broccoli yeah we love soda and love our coke uh seltzer is replacing yeah seltzer has been us. a good yeah, beer yeah. i'm drinking I'm okay. drinking one right now. I'm drinking a Black Cherry Polar Seltzer. Hmm. That it gives what, you that f- bubbling that you yeah, need. You know, yeah, yeah, Tonight's yeah. sponsored by that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. It's been going good. And <laughs> You know, I'm not off the booze 100%. Like, hardcore paleo people won't even do booze. Right. But you still got to get your kicks. So I'll have some vodka with uh, soda water and a lime. Which is, I guess, pretty low on carbs. Lots of ice. And And maybe whiskey occasionally. Some whiskey. And and I like my wine. And I'll do sugar in wine. And you you don't do sugar on the paleo. But I'll have a glass of wine. Yeah. And let me tell you, folks. Eric's been very militant. So we'll keep you guys abreast on that. One more thing before we get to our guest. Um, This is kind of a cool story. Uh, We mentioned Ireland earlier. They're actually looking to legalize pot and cocaine. In Ireland,
2: oh, good for them! God, yeah. God bless them. Cocaine em. too. Well, well God you know, bless yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, this, fucking awesome.
1: There's, you know, there's some method to oh, their Little bit of the Irish drugs minister Aidan O'Riordan is aiming to legalize the possession of small amounts of cocaine and cannabis for personal use. Nice. Granted, his effort is part of a larger aim to destigmatize addiction, complete with a plan to create safe envir- environments for treating heroin users. He told the Irish Times. I am firmly of the view that there needs to be a cultural shift in how we regard substance misuse if we are to break this cycle and make a serious attempt to tackle drug and alcohol addiction. That's that's reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. People are gonna do it. Oh yeah, no, they get a t- totally the war on drugs is, is a failure. They should do what they did in the wire, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah, Amsterdam. <laughs> designated, yeah. area a designated area where they can area can all can go and do it. They hand Buy out it. clean needles, condoms condoms, all the drug testing, S T D testing, all it all right. goes hand in hand. And you know you're gonna be getting the best drugs because it's all right there. That's a that's a free market. That is free market. That's a free market utopia. That drives right the there. cost down. Yeah. So this is a small step compared to the legalization of cannabis in Colorado and Washington State, uh, where dispensaries can legally sell recreational marijuana. Um, but in Ireland, the sale and distribution of drugs is still a crime. And but the global trend towards legalization is definitely gaining momentum, and this could be a movement in that direction. Amsterdam has long been legal, and various U.S. states are following suit. Um, and places like Uruguay have a, a great program. So. Oh, Uruguay. Yeah, you definitely. Know? dublin was recently voted the second friendliest city in the world it could become the first yeah wow i i was in dublin everyone was really nice i mean maybe a lot of them were on coke i know they were all drunk i was drunk too yeah so, when you went there yeah that's that's phenomenal all right well we got an awesome interview coming up with uh, roger stone who is was a gop insider for more than four decades we got a lot to talk to him about so don't go anywhere more jackman radio coming at you <laughs> Welcome back to more Jackman Radio. We have Roger Stone on the line, and uh, I want to read a quick uh, introduction to you here, Roger. Um, Roger Stone is a seasoned political operative and pundit, a veteran of eight national presidential campaigns. He served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents before leaving the GOP for the Libertarian Party. He is the author of the New York Times bestseller The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ, and he's written for Fox Opinion, Breitbart News, stonezone.com and the op-ed page of the new york times a well-known voice in politics for over 40 years roger stone often gives insights on behind the scenes political agendas on fox news cnn cnbc and msnbc he lives in southern florida and he joins us now roger stone thank you for joining us and uh, so excited to have you on i've been wanting to interview you for a while we got a a lot we want to get to. Um, so, uh, what are you up to right now? I know you're in the middle of a book tour. How is that going? Uh,
0: it's actually going terrific. My uh, my latest book, The Clintons' War on Women, uh, published uh, not this past Tuesday, but two Tuesdays ago. So, it's been on the market for two weeks. It's doing extraordinarily well, um, despite the very best efforts of the Clintons, despite this book, uh, and to discourage. Any mainstream media attention to it or reviews? Uh, not, for example, holding my breath until the New York Times reviews
1: this. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it sounds like there might be a little bit of a blackout in some of the more mainstream, um, you know, publications. And uh, so, you know, in this book, Mr. Stone, you lay out a history of assault, corruption, and overall abuse of several individuals at the hands of Bill and Hillary Clinton. Um, what kind of response or backlash have you received from the clinton campaign or any of the officials
0: well as uh... jillian who's a feminist writer for the boston globe wrote a couple months ago why is bill clinton being held to a different standard than bill cosby i mean bill clinton is not your roguish old uncle who just has an eye for the ladies he's a sexual predator he uh, has attacked uh, raped or sexually assaulted as many as 27 women that I can identify. Uh, and then there are many other women identified by legitimate journalists, like Mike Isikoff, then a news now with NBC or Roger Morris of the Washington post, women who have remained nameless have remained anonymous by their choice, but who nonetheless have been assaulted. Um, and the worst part of that is not only Bill's sexual assaults, um, he, when he rapes women, he tends to bite them, that's kind of his signature move, Ew. he bites through their upper lip, Ew. which is both a disabling move, and a not so subtle bit to keep your mouth shut, but um, as in the case of Paula Jones, for example, sometimes he exposes himself and demands oral sex, so, uh, you know, the worst of this is not Clinton's dysfunction, As disgusting as that is, and as uh, probably incorrect as that is, it's the fact that Hillary is the one who runs the cover-up. From her East Wing office, it's Hillary who ran the Nuts and Sluts campaign designed to discredit those women unlucky enough to have been assaulted by her husband. Uh, And, of course, they're denigrated as sluts, whores, bitches, certainly trash, Um, first by, by Hillary's goons like Vince Carville and David Brock. Uh, but then, it's Hillary who hires the heavy-handed private detectives, Jack Palladino, Anthony Palicano, Ivan Duda, um, to keep tabs on Bill's victims and to intimidate them through a veritable terror campaign. Uh, heavy-handed tactics like, you know, breaking into their homes, smashing their car windshields, slashing their tires, killing their pets, threatening their children. Uh, And then, of course, there's the IRS audits. All these women are of Mm. modest means, but now suddenly, after Bill Clinton assaults
1: them, you know, they get get multiple year IRS audits. Uh, Roger, playing devil's advocate for a minute, this is some pretty explosive and incendiary stuff and accusations. what kind of evidence in your book or, or background information do you provide that's really firm and concrete about these allegations? Because there are going to be some critics who would say a lot of these women are doing this for money or, or other means. Well,
0: um, only one woman has ever uh, collected, and that, of course, is Paula Jones. And in that case, Clinton called her a liar, insisted he had never met her in his life, and he didn't know what she was talking about. Uh, then he was ultimately forced to admit under oaths uh, in the Monica Lewinsky matter that he had in fact assaulted Paula Jones in an, assault, in a, an Arkansas hotel room and he paid her $850,000 um, the exact opposite is true these women don't want to come forward because they're scared to death they've all been threatened many of them have lost their jobs uh, they've been publicly trashed uh, and therefore the idea that anyone's looking for a payday or that any of them are looking for their 15 minutes in the sun would be incorrect. Uh, I stand on the shoulders of other historians. All historians work uh, off of the uh, those who went before them. Right. Uh, and me so yeah, everything that I'm telling you has already been reported and written by very reputable journalists. It's just never been accumulated in one place. And then no one ever went out and tried to confirm it. Uh, this is exactly what I have done with the book. It's very heavily sourced and footnoted. Um, and I ask readers to, you know, read the book and make your
1: own decision. Absolutely. And, and another thing I thought was interesting, you talk about uh, Mrs. Carlos Danger, uh, Huma Abedin, and her, rela- yes. her relationship with Hillary. You kind of alluded to the fact that they share hotel rooms together and there's some weird stuff going on. I mean, who, who's eyewitness to that and where did you get the goods on that? Uh,
0: that comes from a Freedom of Information Act request for the Secretary of State's non- Uh, Non classified schedules, Uh, and they will show you that they, upon when they travel, they use the same rule. Now, there was some headline in the Palm Beach Broward New Times that says, you know, Roger Stone calls Hillary a lesbian. I've never called her a lesbian. It is true that Bill Clinton is quoted in. Jennifer Flowers' book is saying that Hillary has eaten more pussy than he has. <laughs> so I, I guess, in all fairness, it would be Bill Clinton who's called her a lesbian, not me. I have merely raised the three questions. Why is Huma, her top aide, the only woman, woman in the history of the State Department, or in fact, the U.S. government, who's gotten a special waiver that allows her to have a full-time job at the State Department with a full security clearance see all documents, including those that are classified. At the same time, she's working for Teneo, a Clinton-connected lobbying firm that represents a number of Middle Eastern governments in front of the State Department. And then she's also triple-dipping with a nice fat check from the Clinton Foundation. Although why a charity would need a political operative, I don't really understand. They were also paying Sidney Blumenthal $120,000 a year. Jesus. so she's triple dipping we know that she uh is uh, that her parents and her brothers uh have been very active in the muslim brotherhood ted cruz has a bill in the senate right now to declare the muslim brotherhood a terrorist organization oh, yeah. uh, at the same time it was huma who went through all of the emails to determine what we should see and what we should not see, but more specifically, she would have seen all these documents that we now know were classified. So um, there's just many, many questions about whom I have it in, uh, who, yes, I refer to as Mrs. Carlos Danger. I like that. Because, of course, she is married to the famous pervert oh. congressman from, from uh,
1: Brooklyn. The flapping wiener. <laughs> now, uh, Roger, do you, um, do you share Donald Trump's sentiments that Hillary Clinton will be the nominee uh, short of getting indicted? Do you think that it's inevitable?
0: I think it is It is likely that she'll be the nominee. I would not rule out her being indicted. However, the only person probably on the face of the earth who dislikes her more than I do would be Barack Obama. Wow. Uh, he despises her. Uh, really? He's well aware of the fact that Sidney Blumenthal is the individual who spread rumors that Obama was gay. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: he knows that it was Sidney Blumenthal who spread rumors that He was the son of Frank Marshall Davis,
1: communist,
0: uh, agitator from the 50s and 60s. Uh, He, uh, so strong was the feeling that White House Chief of Staff, Rob Emanuel, decreed that Hillary could hire anyone she wanted at the State Department with one exception. Hmm. that Sidney Blumenthal would never be on the payroll of the the, uh, Obama administration. Uh, If the State Department does a non-political job, if the Justice Department does a non-political job, if the FBI follows the evidence and the law, then she will surely be indicted. What she has done is far more egregious than what General Petraeus did, for example, in terms of the misuse of classified documents. And then there's just the open bribery going on through the Clinton Foundation. Oh, yeah. The, the nation Qatar essentially uh, paid Bill and Hillary personally, as well as their foundation, millions of dollars, uh, to arrange for the overthrow of the Qaddafi government and the installation of a government that is controlled by the Muslim Brotherhood, which is hostile to us. Mm. Uh, that complete reversal of American foreign policy, in which we deposed an ally of ours, Qaddafi, who, although not a great character, was providing us with all the intelligence we had on Al-Qaeda. Uh, and and uh, this is just one of the many egregious examples of bribery. Uh, the Swiss bank, UBS, um, they get hung up because they have uh, been inappropriately hiding certain funds across, funds uh, ones abroad. They should have been prosecuted. Yeah. They pay the Clinton Foundation a million five, they pay Bill a million five to give a speech suddenly their legal problem goes away. So uh, there's, these are all cause and effect. Uh, the Clinton Foundation is a slush bun for grifters. Right. It's not a charity. It's just a vehicle for the facilitation of bribes.
1: Right, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of similar to what they did when they were in Arkansas with one of the offices. They basically turned it into a conduit for bribery and for getting their friends wealthy and getting their initiatives off the ground. I forget which... Yeah, it was the Arkansas Economic Development that, Authority. Exactly, right really just a money
0: laundering operation. Yeah. First and foremost, it was a place for laundering drug money by Dean Lassiter, who was a great financial backer of uh, Bill Clinton's, and yes. also Jack Stevens, who was uh, one of the Stevens brothers of the Stevens banking thing. Um They were using it for money laundering, mostly drug money. Um, friends of Bill Clinton's could get a loan. Opponents of Bill Clinton would never get a loan. Loans were traded
1: for campaign contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a mess of corruption. Yeah. So th- there's there's just a pattern with the Clintons of getting into positions of power and then leveraging and using that power as their own personal bank and means of getting wealthy, helping their friends out who help them, and, and then the corruption is just never ending. So it it's just it's uh, it's, pheno- it's phenomenal that Hillary is is. Uh, even still out there well, I had to write this book because it needed to exist in one place I mean my book is
0: more than just about Bill's trail of serial rape yeah. and sexual assault and Hillary's role in the active role as the uh, in the cover up in the cover up of those crimes it's also about Bill's connection to drug trafficking it's right. about Bill's personal drug use which was quite a bit His yeah. time in rehab Major League uh, co we re-examined the the uh, the the uh, Vince Foster murder to uh, prove that Hillary is the one who had the body moved. For Foster did kill himself. He was driven to it by Hillary. Uh, But then he subsequently, um, they dumped the body in Fort Marcy Park. Largely because, as Hillary tells us in her own book, Hard Choices, he was concerned that, that Foster's office would become a crime scene And therefore, the Clinton's most sensitive personal files would be available to federal investigators. This is why Bill Clinton had the Park Police investigate the murder into Foster instead of the FBI. So, put it this way: the White House Counsel is murdered, a federal employee, and we bring in the George Washington Parkway Police to investigate his murder. Right. Which, by the way, has no criminal facilities or criminal investigative operation, Did they
1: strictly patrol the parkway. the parkway. I used to drive up and down that parkway, Roger. I lived in McLean for a year. and so You uh, know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And now you also posit, and other people have said this before, that uh, Bill Clinton is not Chelsea Clinton's father. What's going on <clears> there, man?
0: Well, this is one of the two deep family secrets. Uh, I believe that the Webster-Hubble, who was Hillary's law partner uh, in Arkansas and lover, uh, and who she inserted as assistant attorney general, a position he held until he got caught in a giant corruption investigation and went to prison, uh, is the real father of Chelsea Clinton. Um, there's several reasons why I believe this. Chelsea was born two weeks before the 1982 election. Uh, the only election Bill Clinton would lose, an election where he was struggling for re-election, Uh, the governor's office had an entire press blackout on Chelsea's birth no press release, no announcement no photos, no effort to win votes for the greatest political animal that's ever lived that seems rather odd to me L.B. Brown, Clinton's bodyguard writes in his biography that Clinton told him he learned that Hillary was pregnant uh, by reading it in the newspaper Uh, if you look at Chelsea Clinton and you look at Webster-Hubble despite four plastic surgeries that she's undergoing, she still looks exactly like him. Uh, Now, why is this important? People say, oh, you're just picking on a little girl. Why are you picking on an innocent child? First of all, she's not a child. She's a full adult. She's a co-conspirator of the theft going on at the Clinton Foundation. Because her name is on the Foundation documents, she's legally responsible for what's going on there. She and her husband are extremely greedy, very abusive, very much like her mother, foul-mouthed, short-tempered, Demanding and very abusive of virtually everyone she comes in contact to. So if you have some imagery of her as a sweet little girl, you can wipe that out of your head right now. <laughs> uh, and the reason I raise this is because it shows the dysfunctional nature of their marriage, the fact that it's a sham. Oh, yeah. They're in it together. Hillary knows all about his philandering, she knows all about his sexual assaults and she chooses to denigrate the victims as opposed to uh, straightening out her husband. It's like House of Cards. Uh, and then, of course, the other great scandal, which you're familiar with, which is Bill has an abandoned, mixed-race son in Arkansas, Danny Williams, fine young man. Phenomenal. Uh, he refuses to acknowledge him. He refuses to love him, nurture him, support him. Uh, and uh, the Clintons even floated a completely phony story in 1999 in the Star magazine, which was owned by Robert Altman, oh, yeah, a Georgetown... <laughs> a uh, buddy of Clinton's who went to college with him, a major donor to the Clinton campaigns, to the Clinton Foundation, the Star reported that a DNA test had disproved that Bill Clinton was Danny's father. Uh, I did a lot of research on this. There is no DNA test. Danny certainly never submitted to one. Uh, and the current owners of the stars, no longer owned by Altman, uh, pulled their files on this story and say there is no evidence that there ever was any DNA test. Oh, well, nice. Unfortunately, that report got picked up by Howard Kurtz of the Washington Post, and that report got picked up by the, by Time Magazine. Suddenly, you have a fact, right? But it's not true. So those people say, "Oh, that's been disproven." No, it has not been disproven. Well oh,
1: that's that's some... And
0: uh, my guess is we're not going to find out until Bill Clinton passes away and he will challenge the 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 uh, will, in which I'm certain he's not mentioned, and then we'll get a federal judge to order that blood test, wow. that DNA
1: test. It's like some Thomas Jefferson type shit. But, yeah. uh, switching, uh, switching gears here a little bit, Roger, um, recently I think you claimed that you fired Governor John Kasich for selling pot during the Reagan campaign in the 70s. Can you elaborate on that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh I've known John Kasich a long time. I was the national director of youth for Reagan in 1976. I had six field men in, uh, working on petitions in Ohio to get our delegates on the ballot. Uh, John Kasich was working for a state senator, uh, came to work with, uh, with, uh, on the campaign, and was working with my people. Uh, I would not have raised this. Uh, until I watched the debate the other night, because then I saw John Kasich posturing, you know, yeah. when asked about legalizing marijuana, which
1: I am in favor of. Oh, we all are.
0: Uh, he, uh, he comes out and says, what kind of message would that send our children? So the issue here is not John smoking pot. Uh, you know, if he wants to smoke pot, that's his business. I'm a libertarian. You want to smoke pot? That's your business. Exactly. I think Absolutely. it should be legal. I think it should be legal and, and taxed since we have all these financial problems. My
1: problem here is hypocrisy. In
0: other words, don't pose as a drug warrior when you're not one. He's a poser. Well, it's very much like Jeb. Jeb is a big supporter of the drug war. Jeb supported all these mandatory penalties for people who are caught with small amounts of drugs in Florida. Hmm. But he himself admits that he was a heavy smoker and user of drugs in college and boarding school. Yeah, and a dealer. you know, in other words, if you're poor and black, you can go to jail for a drug possession. But if you're white and privileged and elite, you, the laws don't apply to you. Oh, no. And My problem here with Kasich is that he's posturing. And when I put that out on Twitter, I got an immediate response. He said that I'm nuts. Right. And I say he's a liar.
1: What was, what was John Kasich like when he was a snot-nosed kid on that campaign? Did you have to... He,
0: he was a snot-nosed kid.
1: Yeah, he was a punk. He kind of looks like a smug asshole, really to be honest with you. He
0: was he was a smug asshole
1: then, he's a smug asshole now. Cuz I I met him, Roger. Uh, i I met him up here during a town hall in Peterborough, and I asked him about the uh, the 28 pages of the 9/11 report and uh about going after Saudi Arabia and perse- prosecuting him, and he he totally just deflected the question and gave me some bullshit about becoming energy independent but not even addressing my question. Yeah, I mean, how
0: could you not want to see what's in the 28
1: pages? Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: it's outrageous that they're
1: redacted not only,
0: the American, What do they think, we're too stupid to know what's in there? Not, or we, we have no
1: right to say it Not only that, Roger uh, These assholes running for president deny even knowing about their existence How could Jeb not know what that's about? He's so full of shit
0: Well, in Jeb's case, he's got real liability here Because as you know, uh, about half the hijackers lived in Florida Openly living oh, in Florida
1: trained got, I got
0: driver's licenses from Jeb's motor vehicles department there were numerous local political, pardon me, local police reports of odd activity by these guys. Yeah, and nobody ever followed up. Nobody in FDLE, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, ever followed up. The local police uh, kept reporting all kinds of strange activities. These guys were walking around at night, scaring their neighbors. People wondered what they were doing there, but there was never any follow up. Right. Uh, then after 9/11, the house where they lived was all packed up. Everything was removed and flown out of town, and they acted like they had never been here. Right. Uh, So when Trump raised this issue, uh, it it hit a real chord, because George W. Bush did not keep us safe. No. We had numerous reports of men being trained to fly planes into buildings, and we didn't do anything about
1: it. I make the point, Roger, that the 9-11 happened on George W. Bush's watch, and a swath of the hijackers trained in Jeb Bush's backyard in Florida when he was governor.
0: Well, how convenient that Marvin Bush has the security contract for the building, and the bomb-sniffing dogs, who have been used regularly, get discontinued two weeks before the attack.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's all kinds of shenanigans and fuckery going on, and that's a great segue. I wanted to talk to you about, you have an upcoming book called Jeb, The Bush Crime Family, that you're writing with St. John Hunt, I understand? Yes, this book is, a we turned
0: this in today to the publisher. Oh, man. And uh, now the real fight begins because the publisher's lawyers will bust our cojones like they did on the Clinton book. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: but I must say, they put us through the ring on the Clinton's War on Women, and nothing was removed from the book.
1: That's awesome. We were
0: able to prevail by, by them documenting everything we have claimed. Jeb and the Bush crime family traces the entire arc of the, of the Bush crime syndicate a perfect example of elite deviance where the laws don't apply to certain people. So Jeb's early days as a drug dealer dealing in both pot and cocaine is detailed. Uh, His uh, shady business deals in Miami, uh, how he's made money on Obamacare and Obama phones. Big, big score on Obama phones. Jeb uh, owns a very substantial stake in track phones which is owned by the Mexican billionaire Carlos Slim, oh, yeah. they have the contract for the federal Obama phone program. Now, some people keep pointing out to me, that program started under George W. Bush. So what? Right. So what
1: does, that change?
0: what does that change? That changes nothing. The government's giving out hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of free cell phones, and somebody is buying them. That somebody is the federal government. They're buying them from Jeb and oh. his partner, Carlos Slim. <laughs> uh, um. we uh we we detail uh you know the fact that when daddy was vice president Jim got a four million dollar personal bailout paid for by the taxpayers uh over a fraudulent loan SNL loan that he had uh and then of course, we go into the 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 truth about george h w book all these all these uh biographies about george h w poppy Bush keep talking about character, his character, his integrity. This is a guy who oversaw the importation of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of cocaine into the United States oh, yeah. that were sold on the urban areas of America to raise money illegally to fund the Nicaraguan Contras. Right. This is a guy who badgered Ronald Reagan into signing a transfer of power agreement that would specify what happens if the president was ever incapacitated. Every member of Reagan's cabinet was against him signing it, George Shultz. Casper Weinberger, Al Haig, even the Attorney General as uh, Nice, all opposed to Reagan signing it. Reagan signed it, and six days later, somebody connected to the Bush family tried to kill him. Jesus. Uh, and I go very deep into the Kennedy, assa- pardon me, to the Reagan assassination attempt, because there's many, many more connections to George Bush and the Bush family then have been publicly reported. Right. Now, wasn't
1: no. Hinckley's brother supposed to have dinner that night with, uh, with uh, one, of, one of Bush's kids or something? Or? Yes. One of Hinckley's brothers was supposed to have
0: uh, dinner with, uh, with Neil Bush. Uh, and, but there's far, far more than
1: that, as you will say. Now, Roger, are you, are you in the mindset, and uh, this has pretty much been proven, I mean, if you read um, Family of Secrets by Russ Baker, H. Poppy Bush is a lifetime CIA.
0: Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a duplicative and very secretive guy. He works for the CIA as early as 1961.
1: Yeah. So when he, is, when he goes before the Senate to be confirmed confirmed
0: CIA director, and he says he's never worked for the agency, right. he's perjuring himself. He he's is. Lying.
1: The goddamn building's um, named could, after him. For
0: 30 years, he couldn't remember where he was on the day of the Kennedy assassination. Right, so guess where he, it turns out where he was? He just happened to be in Dallas.
1: <laughs> hey, wasn't wasn't Nixon in, in Dallas a hotel too?
0: Only blocks, literally, feet from right? Plaza, the Sheridan, the old
1: so we we have we have these two families, the Bushes and the Clintons, that have been engaged in the utmost fuckery and um, you know deviance, uh, elite deviance. I love that term. Um, and going all the way back to Prescott Bush dealing with the Nazis, which family, Roger, do you think is more corrupt and more evil and more hideous? Well, oh, they're
0: really joined at the hip. I mean, this is why Barbara Bush says that Bill Clinton is the fifth Bush brother. <laughs> George W. Bush says that Hillary is like his sister-in-law. Oh. They rehabilitate each other. They profiteer together. They do. Uh, the Clintons and the Bushes founded a non-profit to raise money Indeed. for Asian earthquake relief. Oh. They raised $138 million. they spent $10 million of it in Haiti, they pocketed the other $128 million. they closed it down, and they answered no questions.
1: Wow, unbelievable. That's just one
0: example. In, in Between the two books, there are dozens of examples of them working frauds together. Um, so, I mean, they're in it together. They are. In 1992, 1992, when George Bush looked at his watch in the debate, he was signaling that he knew his job was to lose.
1: Hmm. Interesting. He, he,
0: the powers that be had decided he was finished. He right. had his chance to be president. It was, it was Bill Clinton, the other CIA president. Right. Here's he, what I prove in my book. Bill Clinton did not earn a degree at Oxford. He was kicked out of Oxford because he raped a 19-year-old, Eileen Wellstone. He says in his biography that he left Oxford because he'd been accepted at Yale Law School. The problem with that is that a year's delay, a year's uh, Time in between his leaving Oxford and his going to Yale. According to Cord Meyer in his book, it was during that period that that Bill was recruited by the Central Intelligence Agency to infiltrate the anti war groups, the hippies, uh, in Europe that summer. And he was informing on his fellow anti war activists.
1: Really? Uh, And I
0: think since that time he had been an asset.
1: I never heard that one before. Did Cord Meyer claim he recruited him? Yes. Really? In so, his biography, So yeah. this was in the late 60s that he said he recruited Bill Clinton?
0: That is correct.
1: Wow. I've never, I'm going to definitely look into that. That's fascinating. Yeah, I've never heard that one that before.
0: Is, that, is in my, that is in this incredible book, The Clintons
1: War on Women. I can't wait to, can't wait to read that, man. That's, uh, that's going to be a good read. And, and do you think Cord Meyer, uh, do you think it's possible he was involved in, in the cover-up of his wife's death? No, I don't think there's any question. Yeah,
0: uh, And I think I cover this in my book, uh, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. Some people have not. Uh, I get attacked by those who haven't read the book who say, now how can you say it was Lyndon Johnson, it was the CIA, or it was the mob? Um, and they're both right. Of course, they're all right. But who is the guy with a unique relationship with the mob and with the CIA? Lyndon Johnson, as Senate Majority Leader, the Majority Leader rarely serves on a committee but he has the power to appoint himself to committee if wanted. There's only one committee LBJ appointed himself to. It was the Aerospace Subcommittee of the Defense Committee. That's where the CIA black box budgets are. Lyndon Johnson's the paymaster for the CIA for the entire 50s. No one gets paid. If, if, if nobody gets any money if it isn't for Lyndon. And when he leaves the Senate, he makes sure that his close ally, Harry Byrd, the senator from Virginia, Cousin, first cousin of D. H. Byrd, who owns the Texas School Book Depository Building, and is Lyndon Johnson's campaign finance chairman, is the new chairman of the committee. Sorry, boys. Lyndon Johnson controls the CIA because without <laughs> money, they can't even kill anybody.
1: Right. That, that's true. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, where where Bush was uh, on that day. Isn't it true though that Richard Nixon was also in Dallas, or he was at a Pepsi bottling convention nearby?
0: He was very definitely in Dallas. He came in uh, two days before. He had a press conference in his hotel room on the twenty-first, in which he predicted that that, LB, that pardon me that JFK would dump LBJ from the ticket because of the stench of corruption surrounding the Billy Salvestis and the Bobby Baker cases. He also called on uh, Texans to give the president a courteous welcome because there were a lot of demonstrations and a lot of uh, on the far right um and then he uh he spoke at a PepsiCo was one of his major clients, so he spoke at a bottler's convention. Joan Crawford was also there she was on the board of Pepsicola at the time um and This is where things get a little confusing. There is no question he's staying at the Baker hotel uh He uh, is reported by some to have attended a late-night meeting at the ranch of Clint Murchison Sr., Uh, and and supposedly uh, Lyndon Johnson was there, arriving after midnight. Hoover. Um, Ed Ed Clark, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, John Carrington, the lawyer who represented H.L. Hunt, because H.L. was in his 80s and this was a little late for him, Uh, D.H. Byrd, who we spoke about, and others. However, what I was able to learn was that Nixon was at Murchison's but much earlier in the evening. There was a cocktail party at 7.30 honoring Hoover and Nixon most definitely was there because it shows on his schedule for that day. The the Dallas Times-Herald, pardon me, the Dallas Morning News reported that Nixon was seen in the restaurant on the roof of the Baker Hotel at 11 o'clock eating dinner. Not possible for him to be at the Murchison Ranch at 12 if he is in downtown Dallas at 11. It's, the distance is too great. So I think he was at Murchison's. I don't think he's among the plotters, and I'll tell you why. What juice did Dick Nixon have in 1963? That would be none. Bombed-out candidate for governor of California. He's got no control of anything in Washington. The Democrats are running everything. There are no, they don't have either house, nor do they have uh, you know, the executive branch of government. So in 1963, what is it that Nixon would bring to the table?
1: Well, I mean the, All of
0: his old allies and the mob and the CIA are already there.
1: That's true. I was Nixon's get-
0: washed up. Nixon's yep. washed up. I think they invited him to Dallas because of a fear that he's the one guy who could figure this all out. He knew everybody in Buttholk, he knew Marcelo. He knew the Central
1: Intelligence Agency guys. He had his own connection to the same people Johnson did. Well, exactly. And that's what I wanted to ask you, Roger. I know you were very close to Richard Nixon after he was, well, while he was president and after he was president more so. In any personal conversations you had with him, did you ever get, what did you get from him out of it? What were his thoughts on it?
0: Well, I've written this in my book, Nixon Secrets. When I asked him the first time about Johnson and the Kennedy assassination, he clearly didn't want to talk about it he would just kind of shiver and say Dallas. So I'd say, Mr. President, who really killed Kennedy? And He'd say, Dallas, Dallas. Uh, But on one occasion, when we had a few cocktails, I asked him, and he said, that was the thing about Lyndon and I. We both wanted to be president, but I wasn't willing to kill for it. Yeah.
1: He kind of smirked after that. I've seen an interview where Nixon said that, and Nixon gives a look where he's saying, yeah, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, they asked him uh, about Johnson, and he said, well, LBJ never wanted to be number two in anything. He it, kind of smiles. It, exa- yeah, exactly. That
2: that
0: yeah, uh, yeah. And then as I also establish, um, Nixon figured out that Jack Ruby, uh, who had been brought to Nixon by Lyndon Johnson in 1947, uh, Murray Shotner, who was kind of Nixon's right-hand man, uh, and like and like Jack Ruby, Jewish, came to Nixon and said, Johnson said, we have excess money on the House on america Activities Committee budget, and he'd like this guy, Jack Rubinstein, picked up as a consultant, as an informant, really. Uh, this is very common. I worked in the House side. I worked in the Senate. This is very common. Uh, Nixon said, yeah, okay, fine. Do it as a courtesy. Then, 1963, he turned on the television. He sees Ruby blow Oswald's away, and he says, wait a minute. I know that guy. Wow. Same guy brought to him by Lyndon Johnson in 1947.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of leading up to um, your time working for Richard Nixon, and obviously we want to touch on Watergate. Um, you know, bring me through um, getting in with Nixon. I think it was a guy named Magruder who brought you in the fold, and, and what all that was about.
0: Well, yeah, the president was running for reelection. I had worked in Nixon's 1968 campaign as a volunteer. I was the chairman of youth for Nixon in Connecticut, where I lived. Uh, I became the protege of uh, John Davis Lodge, who was the brother of Senator Henry Cabot Lodge and who was the governor of Connecticut, congressman from Connecticut, a truly great man, um, more a bit more conservative than his brother Cabot, uh, and some said smarter. Uh, but he was a great pal of Nixon's. They had gone to the house together in '46, uh, and um, he arranged for me to uh, chair the. Campaign, the youth campaign in uh, Connecticut. Then I went to college at George Washington University in Washington D.C. During that time, I invited uh, Jeb Magruder to come speak to our college Republican club, and then afterwards, I hopped him for a job on the campaign, and I got a job. I was the youngest member of the campaign staff in charge of surrogate scheduling uh, for a bunch of you know B-list surrogates who were campaigning for Nixon. And then at night, of course, I was learning the craft of so-called dirty tricks, <laughs> which in those days were perfectly legal and acceptable political tactics, but later got a very bad name. Not talking about breaking into office buildings, by the way. Right, right. So, uh, as <laughs> uh, I got to know most of the Watergate crowd, I knew Liddy, I knew Dean, and so on, um, it was not until much later that I became an intimate of President Nixon's. I really didn't get to know him until his post-presidential days. When I was working for then-Governor Ronald Reagan, uh, handling a region that included New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, because Nixon lived in Connecticut, in uh, New Jersey, I was given the assignment of briefing him on a weekly basis uh, on the status of the campaign, the latest polling, uh, and so on. So, um, we became very good friends, because I saw him every week for six months, hmm. uh, and uh, we became closer and closer, and that's how I had the occasion to... Um, talk to him about the Kennedy assassination, among other things.
1: That's awesome. Did um, did Richard ever uh, talk to you about the Bohemian Grove or take you out there for a weekend?
0: No, I can't say he did, but I'm sure you've seen the famous quote where he said it was the faggiest goddamn thing you've ever seen.
1: Yeah, that that recording there. He's talking about I won't shake hands with anyone from that San Francisco crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, obviously. Well, it's, uh, obviously
0: it's very strange. On the other
1: hand, there's a there. lot of money
0: and power there.
1: Right, so is, is that... Uh, is, a, lot of
0: the, a lot of the guys that were major financiers of Nixon's comeback were members of Bohemian Grove. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure about the ritual in which everybody worships the big owl, but... Uh,
1: yeah, the cremation of care ceremony that they all do with the robes and stuff.
0: Yeah, it seems very weird to me. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's just uh, kind of harmless boy time. You know, everyone's getting away from their wives and they're just going out to the woods for a couple of weeks in July, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think it's like the Mystic Knights
1: of the Sea. Yeah, I, I, what's the big deal? You know, know, they just so happen to be the most powerful uh, I, men in the world.
0: Well, but as you know, some people think it's the, you know, it's the one world government. Yeah. on and so on and so forth. Right. I mean, look, I've been to a Trilateral Commission meeting. I'll oh, pardon me, a Council on Foreign Relations meeting yep. in New York City. I was once invited to one by mistake. <laughs> and I went. The average age was deceased. <laughs> deceased. Yeah, <laughs> Rockefeller. I mean, these were a bunch of tired old men who had no influence whatsoever. That was the meeting. Right.
1: Now, I wanted to lead up to Watergate. Um, I know we can go on and on about it, but I kind of want to get your take on what happened, and, and, and do you think that Nixon was set up? Uh, there's two things going on at the same time.
0: That's what I think is confusing, meaning that the Watergate burglars, you can divide into two camps. Some of them are infiltrators from the Central Intelligence Agency who have stumbled upon this and who have, who have burrowed themselves into the mission and then who purposely screw up so that things go south and they get
1: arrested. Right. Like James McCord.
0: That, that would be James McCord, E. Howard Hunt, uh, and most of the Cubans who, whose real loyalty was to Hunt. Right. I think the Cubans are in the dark. They haven't been told why they're there. They're just, they're just, you know, they've been recruited for old time's sake. And then you have others like Liddy and others whose assignment is to recover the, um, the uh, material which proves that the Democratic National Committee was using a whorehouse down the street for assassinations with, you know, high-level Democrats. So when a big shot came to town, and he needed a little female companionship, um, they would hook him up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the problem was that there was a portfolio in a locked desk drawer inside the water heater that had pictures of the women companions who were available. And I believe one of those companions was Mrs. John Dean.
1: Oh, uh, the legal counsel. Uh, oh, and
0: now, we do know that two of the uh, two graded former New York City detectives. Um, who were working as investigators for Dean, both say in their uh, biographies and also in their oral histories which are now at Texas A&M that John Dean sent them to case out the Watergate six weeks before the break-in. Now Dean has always claimed he didn't know about the break-in in in advance. Yet both men say he wanted the floor plan and he wanted to know how easy it would be to get in. So if you now look at Dean's most recent book, in which he says it is the definitive book on Watergate. He says that he has taken all of the tapes, the Watergate tapes, the White House tapes, which had previously never been transcribed or published, and he has gone through the trouble of transcribing them and publishing for them to prove once and for all that Nixon, you know, was the chief bad guy at work. The problem with that is that he has omitted entirely or he has truncated the conversations he had with Nixon of March 16th, 17th, 18th, 20th, and 22nd. If you listen to those, if you read them, they're now out in their entire team in a new book by Luke Nictor and David Brinkley, You'll see that John Dean is the man who planned the Watergate. John Dean is the man who pushed the Watergate break-in. Johnny Dean is the man who lied to Nixon about it. And then John Dean lied to cover his own ass and send everybody else up the river, he is the Watergate weasel. He's the most guilty guy. This new book by Richter and Brinkley nails it. Because you can now take Dean's book and their book and put them side by side and say, wait, right. half this conversation is missing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So perhaps.
0: And Dean is, is coaching Nixon on perjury in right. the missing conversations.
1: So perhaps. Oh, he's busted. He's busted. <clears throat> uh, there is a terrific book
0: by Phil Stanford called White House Call Girl, um, which really gets to the bottom of Dean's interest in the Call Girl operation uh, that he was intimately involved in. Uh, he either wanted the records so he could blackmail certain politicians. Or he wanted them because he knew his wife um, was intimately involved.
1: Wow.
0: When Len Kolodny and, and Robert Gitline wrote the first book, Silent Coup, which challenged the Woodward Bernstein narrative on Watergate and challenged Dean, Dean uh, sued them. They were in a 17-year litigation. Um, Kolodny and his lawyers had a private investigator look into the background of the Green Dean, um, and then John Dean insisted that that all be sealed in the record because she's a hunker.
1: <laughs> you don't want that getting out. So James McCord and E. Howard Hunt, I mean, who were their masters and Who were they serving? Poppy Bush? Uh,
0: I think that they're, they're serving the Central Intelligence Agency. The, 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 the Central Intelligence Agency, the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs, are not very happy with Richard Nixon. They, they thought they were getting the ultimate cold warrior, that he was going to take the handcuffs off of them in Vietnam and let them do whatever they want. And that's pretty outrageous if you look at how many tons of bombs Lyndon Johnson dropped down. So Nixon withdraws from Vietnam. They were against that. He signs a salt agreement with the Russians. They're really against that. And he opens the door to China, plus he goes around the normal diplomatic channels to do it. My God, Nixon's a peacemaker. We never expected this. We thought he was going to be the ultimate cold warrior.
1: Bad for that's business. Their
0: motive for that's the motive for bringing Nixon down. I see. And then they stumble across this stupid plot to break into the Watergate. or
1: right. Something
0: we still don't really know what. So
1: they piggyback on uh, it, and
0: they, and they
1: use it to bring him down. I see. So it's kind of like a two. It's like an onion. You peel back a couple of layers, and there's two different things going on in the same thing.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Wow, that's pretty interesting.
0: Gentlemen, this has been great, but Mrs. Stone says I must eat dinner. All okay. right. Well, great. Roger,
1: hey, when you come up to New Hampshire in January, man, we definitely will get together, we'll do another interview, we'll, we'll have some uh, drinks, and we'll, we'll catch up. That
0: would be great. If you, if you, again, go to rogerstone.com, you can not only buy the book, you can buy my previous books, but you can also look at the book tour and see where I'm going to be next.
1: Beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Roger, the author of great. The Clinton's War on Women. We'll talk to you soon. Terrific, thanks. Take care, Roger. There you go. Mr. Roger Stone. Man, he, God, I, mean, I had so much more I wanted to talk to him about. I know. We didn't even, I didn't even get to talk to him about his departure from the Trump campaign. Or, or Elliot Spitzer. Uh, yeah, or, or the, the his beef with Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> we'll have to do that in the second interview. Well, we'll have a follow-up in January. Maybe we'll have him in studio. Yeah. He's we'll a lot of fun. To, yeah, he's great. So he, he's definitely like a long-term GOP hatchet man. Oh, he's yeah. been in the game for like 40-plus years. He loves to Wade the yeah. in the sleaze in the, and in the, in the muck. Well, look what he digs up. I mean, yeah, he finds some interesting stuff. A lot of stuff I hadn't really heard. And, yeah, and, I learned a lot. You know, folks, with the Clinton stuff, um, I haven't read the book yet, and I honestly haven't done as much research into that as uh, uh, Mr. Stone or some other people. So I you know, try to play devil's advocate a little, but uh, I know there's a lot of Hillary supporters out there. But I mean, if the, even if oh, yeah. a kernel of this stuff is true, that's well, bad anything- for America. Yeah, I was reading someone earlier who, who uh, re- reviewed Roger's work, and at very least, this is just a pattern of corruption. And what, what the Clintons are doing with the Clinton Foundation and, the, and and using Bill's position as a former president for the speeches. And then, you know, getting contracts for people who have interests in these countries that are paying Bill and Hillary exorbitant amounts of money to come give a speech. Right, money from Saudi Arabia, money from Goldman Sachs. Yeah, we didn't even I mean, touch on, on Saudi Democrats Arabia. Democrats and people who describe themselves as liberals should be kind of outraged about these things. Yeah, anyone with a brain should just kind of be able to see through the horse shit and realize that... Uh, um, you know, the Clintons and the Bushes are, are two heads of the same poisonous snake. That really has just kind of been a blight on, on our country. And, uh, you know, we could do a lot better. But uh, Roger Stone, that was fun to talk to him. And uh, you can check out his book there. He wrote the book, uh, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. And he wrote The Clintons' War on Women. And then he's got the one uh, called Jeb and the Bush crime family coming out with St. John Hunt, who is the son of E. Howard Hunt, one of the Watergate burglars. That'll be very interesting to read. So, folks, I want to thank you for listening. And you can check us out on iTunes under Jackman Radio, our podcast website, www.jackmanradio.podbean.com. And we're on Twitter at Jackman Radio. And of course, you can like us on Facebook under Jackman Radio. Thank you for listening. It's been fun, Mike. Yeah, good time. Have a great night.